Good morning. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Man, what a wonderful morning of worship. Isn't that right? Man, I'm telling you what, God is so good. He is awesome. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad uh, that you decided to join us here at One Church. Our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's what we're all about. We're in the middle of a series uh, called Moving the Chains, talking about the book of James. Um, before we get into that, let me just kind of tell you some stuff. I, I love watching infomercials. All right, because number one, I love making fun of people. All right, you know that I don't know, of course. And um, but and you know some of these infomercials are amazing because you'll have some people like with the before and after. I'm gonna have some pictures up here of like the before and after. You know, like that if you send in 19.95, then you won't look one way, but you will look another way. Now, i got to stop right here. This dude on the left, that face looked like that is superimposed. Does it not? I mean, look at that. I mean, it's amazing. So, um, but I mean, I, I grew, yeah, we all, if you're up at one o'clock in the morning and you're channel surfing, you're going to see some stuff. Who's that dude, that Tony dude, you know, who's always has the long ponytail and always yells? Anybody? Tony Little? Little. And of course, the whole point is he's not little. And he's saying, you know, if you give me, you know, if you take this pill, if you, if you send in for this video, if you get, you know, the ab roller, you know, where you have the, and you just roll it on you, you're going to be, you're going to look like this dude. It's amazing. I, or how many of y'all grew up like reading comic books? Any of y'all? I'm not the only one. I, I remember seeing Charles Atlas. Y'all remember these old ads in the comic books? Uh, yeah. Huh. Um, and, and, you know, it, it always talks about, you know, that you're this, if you're this 90 pound weakling, that if you send in 495, then you're, you're, he's going to be able to give you some stuff so that you can look like this dude. It's amazing because, you know, I, I, I don't think that's how it works. Because if it was as simple as spending four ninety five or nineteen ninety five or taking this little pill, then all of us would do it, and we would be ripped. All right. Some of you. How many of y'all want the washboard stomach? Okay. How many of y'all have washing machine stomachs? You know what I mean? All right. All right, all right. I mean, think about I me. Mean, if it was just that simple, we would do that. But it's not that simple. Because if you want to look buff, if you want to look toned, then you have to do something hard. You have to lift weights. It's just, there's no way around that. You have to, you have to use those muscles and you got to keep on adding weights to the bar and you're going to exhaust your muscles and you're going to build those muscles up and eventually you're going to look like these guys over here. And unlike me, all right? Now, it's difficult, it's hard, it's time-consuming, but there is no shortcut. There is no shortcut. You have to do it. You have to be consistent at it, and you have to, you can't do it alone. You know, the whole purpose of James is, and we talked about this, the big idea for the entire book is this. A faith, a faith that doesn't make itself visible is useless, Let's all say that out loud. 
A faith that doesn't make itself visible is useless. That's the entire point of this entire book we're going to be looking at. You know, we looked last week and we said there's a lot of similarities between football and the book of James. You know, because James, you know, it just like, you know, James doesn't talk about your, your, your beliefs that much or your theological stuff that much. He's not really worried about how many times you pray, or how many times you read the book. He's not talking about that stuff. But what he is doing is this. He's saying, I want to make this practical. And, you know, that's how football is. You can have the X's and O's. You can have it up on the, up on the stuff all you want to. But really, the whole point of football is what? To win. That's exactly right. It is to get those, to move the downs, to keep on going down the field. And when you get a first down here and a first down, and it's to move those chains so that eventually you get in the end zone. And that's how James is saying, listen, all this stuff you get on Sunday morning, all the stuff that you get in communion group, all this stuff is great, but the whole point is for you to make progress. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Last week we said, you know what, you got to figure out what team you're on before you can even go on the field. And today we're going to be talking about before you ever hit the field, before the first snap, you got to do some training beforehand. You got to do some stuff that will prepare you so that you can endure four quarters. I mean, if you're going to have a faith that's real, if you're going to have a faith that's actually active, if you're going to just do more than just believing this stuff on Sunday and living your own life Monday through Saturday, he's saying, if that's going to happen, then here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to get serious and you're going to have to put your hands on the barbells and you need to know this, God is going to do something. He is going to bring some stuff in your life. He's going to keep on adding stuff to, adding, adding those weights to, so that you can build your faith muscles. Faith is like a muscle. Faith is like a muscle. You know, how, how do you get muscles? Well, you exercise them. You exhaust them and then you rest. You, you exhaust a muscle and then you rest a muscle. You exhaust a muscle and then you rest a muscle. In the same way, that is what our faith is like. God is saying this, your faith is like a muscle and the only way to build your faith is for me to take your faith to the limit. And, and, and you don't think, I don't think I can do it. And God's saying you can because I'm not going to allow anything in your life that you can't handle. You can do it with me. He's saying your faith is like a muscle and if you want a big faith then you're going to have you're going to have to let me do some things to build that build that faith muscle all right so let's go James chapter 1 verse 1 all right y'all with me James chapter okay thank y'all for not responding people are y'all with me all right James 1 1 this is what it says this is what we talked about last week dear brothers and sisters When troubles come your way, I'm sorry, this letter is from James, this is verse 1. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad, sup. That's greetings, that's what the Greek word is for greetings, it's sup. All right, joking. All right, so James is writing to uh, brand new believers, brand new people. These people were Jewish, now they've become Christians Brand new Jewish Christians who've been scattered because of persecution. Scattered because of rough times. And in verse 2, here's what he says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, 
Consider it an opportunity for great joy. To which we go, right. I mean, think about it. I mean, if, we, if, if this wasn't in the Bible, we would laugh at this. We'd go, this person's a lunatic. This person's an idiot. But we know who wrote this, and because we know who wrote this, then it gives it a little bit more perspective. James wrote this. He's the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Half-brother because they had different dads. James's dad was Joseph. Jesus's dad is God. There you go, all right? So half-brother, and James was one of the first people killed for his faith. So he's writing to these brand-new Jewish Christians, brand-new in fact, some of you may be brand new in your walk. You don't know a lot of stuff, but you know that Jesus loves you and that you have forgiveness of sins. You're brand new. I mean, you're just right on the edge. And he's saying this. You know what? He says, I am writing to these Jewish Christians, and the Jews were ostracized, and now they're even ostracized among the ostracized, that they are looked down upon those who are cast out. And he says this. He says they were ostracized, and and the things are starting to get difficult. And these folks are going to scratch their heads. They're going, this ain't right. In fact, the Jewish mindset was this, was this. And hear me on this one. It says, the Jewish mindset says that if... If things are going well, then God must be blessing you. And if things are not going well, then God must have something against you. So these people, the the bottom of uh, is, is dropping out of their lives. And they're drawing these conclusions, well, something, if stuff is bad right now, then something must be wrong with me or something must be wrong with God. And that's their mindset. And in this, he says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, you may be sitting there going, well, James doesn't know my situation. And you may think you're the exception. You know what I mean? You may think, well, if James only heard my story, if he, if he would hear how my spouse dumped on me, if he would hear how I lost my job this year, if he would hear how I got kicked out of this organization this past year, if he knew health-wise what was going on with me or my spouse or my family, then he would say, oh, you know what, James says, James would say, you know what, okay, you have a pass. You have a pass. You don't have to consider it great joy. But that's not, we don't have a pass. Because even in stinky circumstances, we can have joy. Now, how do I know that? Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Let us fix our eyes on who? Jesus, who for the, what's that next word? Who for the joy set before him endured the what? You see, what this verse is saying is even in awful, terrible circumstances, even when you're unjustly accused, even when you get killed, you can have joy. You can have joy. I like that. Now, we, the problem is we confuse joy and happiness. See, here's what happiness is. Happiness refers to the good feelings you and I feel when things are going our way. In fact, the word happiness comes from the word happenstance. And happenstance is stuff that happens to us. You see, if you had a terrible... How many of y'all had a bad week this week? Thank you. Anyone? I see you. All right. You had a bad week? All right. Cool. All right. Anyone else? I see you. Okay. Let's say you had a bad week. And I said, all those who had a bad week, if you will come up to the stage and I will give you a million dollars. Would your week change? 
Talk to me. Would your week change? I think it would, wouldn't it? Because something has happened outside to change your emotions. And you're going, Chum out, right? I mean, you're excited because, and see, that's where most of our problems come. Most of our troubles are, we can boil them down to two M's, mates and money, right? I got a problem with him or her, or I got a problem with the bills, and see, what's, that, that's happiness. When somebody gives you, you're happy. But that's not what he's talking about. Joy and happiness are polar extremes because happiness is something on the outside that affects your inside. Joy is something on the inside that affects your perspective looking at the outside. You see, you can have joy in the midst of terrible circumstances like Jesus did. And you can experience joy. You can't make yourself get up and say, okay, I'm going to be happy today. Can't do that because that's emotions. But hear me, you don't have to let your emotions control you. You can let the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that we have a right relationship with God. And because we are in that right relationship with God, he has given us everything that we need so that we can be victorious. That stuff that we know in here and in here, that's joy and it will affect our outside. That's what he's saying that you and I can have. Now he says, consider it all joy. Now when you consider something, what part of the body are you using? The brain. If I only had a brain, right? When we consider, considering is a way of thinking, which means the way your troubles are a way of thinking. Did you hear me on that? How you view the trial will affect how the trial will affect you. How you view the trials will affect how the trial affects you. It's like this. I'll tell you what's going on right now in our staff right now. We are working on budget stuff. How many of y'all like doing budgets at home? How many of y'all are sick people? All right, very good. How many of y'all hate doing budgets at home? All right, we're doing budget at one church right now. Here's what you need to know. There's another church, a downtown First Baptist Church, for the past two years have been been giving us 50 grand towards so that we don't have to come up with it. Now, we knew this was coming, but the end of this year, that's going to stop. So we're thinking, okay, with that stopping, um, we're, we're going to have to balance the budget with, you know, and make this thing work. So, um, so we're, you know, we're the past two, three weeks, we've been on Monday nights till 1030 trying to work on balancing the books for next year. And we, you know, at one time, I think we were 95,000 over, then we were at 60,000 over. Now, because of, again, drastic cuts, we're at, I think, about 18,000. Um, so we're trying to do this. And, uh, you know, the very first time when everybody brought their budgets to the table, all these ministries, and we found out, okay, we were like 95,000 over. We just laughed. We said, okay, that was fun. Here's what we're going to do next week. We're going to come back and we're going, we're going to start shaving. All right. So, but I, and I'm pulling my hair and I'm starting to worry. And my friend Luther all right. I love Luther because his perspective, he always gives me perspective. And I'm going, what are we going to do? You know, I'm the leader. What are we going to do? You know, and Luther, this is what Luther says to me. He says, you know, it's not, it's not that bad. You know, everything's all right. You know, we've had so much growth and there's so many people coming. I mean, how many of y'all saw the four people got baptized last week? 
I mean, man, you know, another person came to the office this past week and they, she, asked, she asked Jesus Christ to be her savior. I mean, there's so much growth happening. And you know what? We just got to trust God. But Luther, because I love this dude, he says, you know what? Just breathe in, breathe out. Everything's going to be okay. And you know what it is? It always is okay. Because God is in control. But sometimes we need a new perspective. And sometimes we can't get that perspective on our own. We need people to say, you know, it's not okay. It's not, you know, the the sky's not falling. It's amazing. Let's keep on going. Verse 2. He says, explains why we should have joy. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy because. Now, this next point is important because you know why you're going to experience these troubles? Look what it says. Because you know. Everybody say the word no. Now, when you know something, what part of the body are you using? The brain. That's exactly right. You know. He's using the word consider and know. So this is something up here. There's something up here that you have to know. Because you know that when your faith is tested. You see, the words when your faith is tested defines for us God's perspective of troubles. Let's go back to football. Y'all are going, this is what these guys are thinking. Y'all need to hurry up and finish this sermon quick. Because this is hurting me. This ain't hurting the pastor. All right. Let's go back to football. Lifting weights off the field is going to ensure you a victory on the field. Now, lifting weights is hard. They would say, amen. Lifting weights is hard. Why do people lift weights? Well, they lift weights because they know something. It's going to produce something. What does lifting weights produce? Muscles. That's exactly right. It's going to produce muscles. Our faith, like we said, is like a muscle. In order for our faith to grow, it has to be stretched. There has to be tension. Now, why does God test our faith? Well, that's an easy one. Think about it. If you're, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian... When, when bad things happen in your life, what do you do? I mean, when you got nowhere else to want, run, what do you run to? That's right. Seriously. Thank you for one honest person in here. You know, really, you know, when things, you know, when things go bad and we got nowhere else to turn, that's when we go to Jesus. Right? In fact, some of you may be here at church today. You've not been to church for 25 years, but because things have gotten so bad, You've come back to Jesus. And you know what? I'm not faulting you for that. That's normal. And that's the reason why God allows adversity and troubles into our lives. Because he knows when the stuff starts getting harder that we start coming back to him. Now, in my wrinkle-free life that I try to maintain and the wrinkle-free life that you try to maintain, when things are going good, we really don't have any need for faith, do we? Seriously, tell the truth, shame the devil on this one. Really, when things are going great, you know, we get up in the morning and Mr. Bluebird is singing and we go to work and the boss says, you know what, you've been here such a long time, you need a raise and I'm going to give you that. You know, when things are going well and you get promoted, when things are going so, and you know, they said you were going to be deployed here and they said, you know what, let's just scratch that. You know, we're going to give you another year at home, Right? You're going, (laughs) all right, all right, we're going to clap on that one. All right, then, you you know, you're going, yeah, we don't need faith then. When things are great, we don't need faith. 
But God knows something, and we know something too. It's when things go awful, when things go bad, and when there's tension between, God, I thought you were this way, but you're not. And and There's tension there. It's when that tension happens that we start building our faith muscle. And God's going, listen, I want to do something in and through you that cannot be done unless I keep on putting weights. Oh, my gosh weights on, on, on the, on the bar, man. He, now look at this verse three. He knows something. James gives us some more information because you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. What God wants to develop in you is endurance. It's perseverance. Some of your translate may have perseverance. He wants us to have a faith that lasts. Now let's go back to football. Why do people, why do people lift weights and, and it's hurting them? Well, because why do, why do they train so much? Because the coach wants them to have endurance and perseverance so that they don't quit, so that they will be able to last all four quarters, the entire game. Let's watch this clip right here. We are changed. We're going to change the way we run. We're going to change the way we eat. We're going to change the way we block. We're going to change the way we tackle. We're going to change the way we win. Defense is desire. and up downs and up downs oh my gosh you see the reason why coaches do this to their players is not because they're sadistic that might be one reason but the real reason is they want a team that will last all four quarters how many of y'all think you could start a marathon All right, hold them up. How many of y'all think y'all could start a marathon? That is everybody. How many of y'all think you can finish a marathon? All right. I see you. I'll find out where you live. I'm just. <laughs> you see, all of us can start something, right? I mean, all of us can. You ever seen the Boston Marathon? There's thousands of people. And, you know, they're, they're all running. Oh, I'm good. Come on. Right? They, they blow the whistle. Bam! They're gone. They're going, right? Two and a half hours. Four hours. Six hours. Twelve hours later. 
Right? Because all of us can start something. It takes training for us to finish something. And God's saying something about all of us. I want you to have a faith that's not a halftime faith. Because all of us can play for a quarter. Right? All of us can go through life in this Christian thing just for maybe until halftime. But God's saying, you know, you can have the best players in the world, in the world, best football team in the world, and they only last two quarters, and they're going to lose. Because it takes more than just a halftime faith. God's saying, I want to do some stuff in you and through you. I want to keep on adding these weights so that you are going to develop muscles so that you will endure and persevere to the very end. And that's what we're talking about. Verse 4, so let it grow. Talking about our faith and our endurance and our perseverance. For when endurance is fully developed. Now, James gives us a definition of spiritual maturity here. He says, if you want to know what spiritual maturity is in James' perspective, you will be mature and complete, needing nothing. Spiritual maturity in James' eyes isn't about how much you know. It isn't about how many Bible verses you can memorize. And it, is, it, it isn't about just knowledge. Being a mature Christian isn't about knowing it all. Spiritual maturity is found in the ability to endure. The ability to not quit. The ability to persevere. God's ultimate goal for you is for you to have a faith that goes to the very end. And let me tell you, the hard thing about God is God has a tendency to take away the things in our lives that we put our faith on so that we can only have our faith resting in him. And those are difficult. Because, you know, we start, we start depending upon our job. We start depending upon our mates. We start depending upon our spouse. And God comes out and he kicks the slats out. It's like, oh, you know, I was leading on that God. I was putting faith on that God. God said, I want you to put only your faith in me. In me alone. Our big idea today that we get out of the book of James chapter 1 verses 2 through 12 is this. That adversity isn't a signal, it isn't a sign that God is absent. Adversity, troubles, trials, issues, problems is a sign, it's proof that God is active. That God is working. And I know some of you are thinking, I wish God wouldn't work so much. You know, I wish God would stop working on me and go work on somebody else. Because that's how some of you feel right now, and I understand that. And I've felt that way before as well. James is saying when the bottom falls out, when you get that letter in the mail, when you get served that subpoena, when your child gets thrown out of this school, or you struggle with this thing with your parents, whatever it is, when the bottom falls out, God uses everything and everything, those trials, problems, those weights that we just, oh, I can't do it. So that he can test and build our faith muscle. Ever so often, God's going to come by and add another 10. Add another 15 pounds. Oh, you got that right? Good. I'm going to add another 20. And you're going, oh, God, I can't do it anymore. And he says this, that no temptation, no trial has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. 
He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you might stand underneath it. You see, God allows stuff in our life and sometimes... He doesn't, God never tempts us. He says that in the next few verses of James, but God sometimes allows trials in our lives so that we can become mature and complete, not lasting lasting or needing anything. A.W. Tozer said this, one of my favorite people I love reading. He says this, it is doubtful that God can use anyone greatly until he has hurt them deeply. Some of you right now, I got some folks in my community group Man, they're going through some stuff. They're going through some stuff. Health issues, family issues. They're going through some tough times. And you know, one of the things, I I always shudder saying this because I don't want to be one of those trite Christians that say, you know, know, I don't ever want to be that. This is the thing that goes through my head. It's through all of those problems and trials and struggles they're going through. In my back of my mind, I'm th- I, this is what I'm thinking. God wants to use them greatly. And he's taking them through so much weighty stuff right now. God's going to use them greater than he uses me. And some of you right now, when you, when you feel like you can't stand and you feel like you've got 200 pounds on your back and you're trying to get it up, you know this, that God is developing in you. He wants to use you. You might be the next Billy Graham. But it's going to take this stuff. It's going to take the rough stuff to be able to build a faith that will take you to the very end. That is amazing. James goes on by giving us some insight. What do you do when you're facing those troubles? Trials, verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He was not going to rebuke you for asking. James is saying in the middle of your trials, in the middle of your suffering, ask God for wisdom. Now, you know what I ask God for when I'm in the middle of my trials? Make it stop. Really? I'm just being honest with you. I'm not any more super spiritual than you are. I mean, when I am in the middle of my mess and my troubles and I'm, I ask for relief. I don't ask for wisdom, but he's saying, I want you to ask for wisdom. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is seeing all of life from God's perspective. Wisdom is seeing all of life from God's perspective. Wisdom is saying to God, God, help me see this problem the way you see this problem. Lord, help me see me getting this letter, me getting this subpoena, me getting demoted, me getting whatever the way you let let me see our difficult financial times the way you see them, not the way that I'm tempted to see them. Because I got to be honest with you, I'm tempted to see it, God, that you've fallen asleep at the wheel. That God, you're not in control anymore. That God, you hate me. That God, you don't love me anymore. That maybe even God isn't real. And God's saying, I don't want you to go there. You ask for wisdom. Let me see these problems the way you see them as making me endure, making me persevere. Now, the Bible Bible promises that if we pray this prayer, that he will answer it. There's not a lot of promises like that. So pray. God, give me wisdom. James 1, 5. You need to memorize. Give me wisdom. And he says, he will answer. He said, you know, if you in the middle of it, you ask why and how and all this, he's not going to yell at you. He's not going to do that. He 
is exercising and testing your faith. Then he says, ask for wisdom. And then he asks, then he mentions how to ask for wisdom. But when he asks, you must believe and not doubt. Why? Because that's the whole point of this. It's so that you might believe. You might believe because anyone who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. You know, when things are great, we go, yay, God, you're awesome. When things aren't going so great, we're, we're saying, God, are, are you even there? And you know, J- James says that's a natural tendency. Let me tell you, when I go through tough times, and I am just like you guys. Again, there's nothing super spiritual about me. I get in fights with my wife. I, I have problems with my kids. Y'all want to know which one? Um... <laughs> You know, Kim and I, we argue about the bills. I am just like you. And just like you, I ask those questions. Why, God? How are are we going to do this, God? You know something that helps in my life, and you saw it illustrated up here with Randy and Frank, is when I feel like I can't do it anymore, when, when Frank was pumping... What was Randy doing over him? Spotting him. And you see, that is what we all need. We can't do it alone. We can't do this alone. We need somebody to be able to be over us, encouraging us, saying you can do it. I believe in you. And when we start to shake... And when we start to falter, they're there. And they're willing to help ease our burdens. i got to be honest with you, where this happens for me isn't here on Sunday mornings. When I start struggling with my faith and I need people and I don't see God moving the way I think he should be moving in my life, it's when I go on Sunday nights to my community group. Ours meets on Sunday nights and I'm able to hear what God is doing through so many other people's lives that it helps my faith. It helps me realize that, you know what? I may be tempted to feel that God is absent in my situation. But after listening to so many other different stories, I know that God is still in control. He's active. He's just trying to build something in me. Let's look at the last verse. It says this. Let's finish our course on weightlifting this morning. Verse 12. God blesses those who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now this verse. Is this verse describing pregame or postgame? I'm sorry. We're going to all have to just have a little time here this morning. Is this describing pregame or postgame? Postgame. You see, God's saying, I'm going to develop your faith muscle so much that the end of the four quarters, you get the Heisman. Right? You get the crown of life. He's describing postgame here. Now, all of us, we don't really think of this time, but God, God's saying this is the whole point. 
The whole point is to get through the four quarters and you be victorious. And that's what he's saying. You want to be victorious, then you got to let me work out your faith muscles. I don't know what you're going through today. I have no idea. I can only imagine. I can tell you what my group is going through. I can tell you what I'm going through. But you, I don't know. But I want you to hear me say very clearly that when you experience those trials, and it doesn't say if you experience them, it says when. Because you may be going, things may be going great now, right? Just give it time. How's that for encouragement? (laughs) Things going good? Wait a couple of months, right? Things may be going great in your life. (laughs) Then you know what? Trust in God. Don't ignore him. Things are going not so good in your life. Trust in God. He is not absent. He is actively working in you and through you. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, for God's word being practical. God's word being powerful. God's word changing lives when we listen to it and we do what it says. Lord, I thank you so much, Jesus Christ, that is in you and it is through you, Lord, that we have victory. That at the end of our post-game, God, that we receive a crown of life. Thank you so much, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for not giving up on us when we have a tendency to forget you when times are good. God, thank you so much for not giving up on us when we, in the dark times, we have a tendency, Lord, to even doubt you're even there. Lord, I pray for all of those in here. I know there's some people in here today that they're going through difficult times. Their spouse is going through difficult times. I pray, Lord, that we would be able to stand firm in our faith. That is what you're trying to develop in us. A faith that lasts. Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus' great big name that we pray. Amen.